Live from parts unknown, you're listening to Simon Miller's Pro Wrestling Podcast. The only wrestling podcast on the planet, we think. Sit back, relax, prepare for positivity to run through your veins as Simon Miller gives you your weekly dose of powerful pro wrestling audio. It is Miller Time. Hello and welcome to Simon Miller's Pro Wrestling Show. My name is Simon Miller and you'll be surprised to hear that this is a pro wrestling show. Thank you very much for joining me. It is Wednesday, November the 4th, 2020. Nothing happening today in the world. It's all really calm and nobody's going crazy. But we're not going to talk about that today. We are going to focus on professional wrestling because that's the whole point. It's crazy entertainment and you can just distract yourself and get mad that, I don't know, Tucker's not getting a push. It's completely up to you. Um, As uh, long-term listeners will know, and I'll tell new listeners now every now and then what i like to do is reach out to my patrons patreon.com forward slash simon316 that's how i'm able to do this podcast that's how i'm able to do my youtube channel and anything essentially with my name on it in my personal time so thank you to everyone that does support me anyway point is on a certain tier you can come on the podcast and i'm very happy to say coming back for the first time in a while i do believe is my is my man emmanuel emmanuel how are you doing today yeah doing good thanks good um, good I- that's what I like to hear, especially on today. Again, a day where absolutely nothing is going on. So let's let I'm going to ask you a question straight away because I want to get into it. Um, Tucker, right? I joked about him in the intro there. Well, let's say Otis and Tucker, the one of the strangest break between that and the breaking up of the Iconics. I am mystified as to what the plan by WWE uh, was. But I don't want to, I, I've made my opinion on this very, very clear. It kind of feels like we're just, well, I mean, you could look at Sasha and Bailey, you could look at Seth Rollins and Murphy. And some, I mean, the latter two are far better because they clearly did have plans in place. But I am mystified why, because it's not like Otis was on SmackDown. Again, Tucker had no real presence on, on Raw. So I am mystified as to why we would take popular acts which is how I saw Heavy Machinery, you know, even though uh, Otis had the um, uh, the Money in the Bank briefcase, you know, that tag team was still untapped for me. I think you could have handled both. They're, what are they doing, man? You tell me. I want your I want your take. So, like, it's, it's totally bizarre, like you're saying, because even if you look at it from a draft perspective, right, they get split up in the draft. And then, um, what's it called? Tucker's traded on, is it Talking Smack? And then he's back on Raw as a jobber. Uh, <laughs> and then, you know, there's the Hell in the Cell stuff. And there's a clear lack of tag teams. You, know, you Sometimes you just wonder what's what's the plan. Like, And what's bizarre is WWE can't surprise us anymore because from the moment they were getting split up, you just knew, right, Tucker's gone. He's absolutely gone. There's not going anywhere at all. And I think what's even worse is that you know, there was no feud. There's absolutely no blow off. All you got is just a backstage, you know, little sort of fight um, with both of them at Hell in a Cell, and then it just seems like everyone's just kind of moved on. Mm. No, totally, man. I mean, that's that's exactly what has happened. And you know, they can always do something, and especially with the Survivor Series coming up, when you've got Red versus Blue and Raw versus SmackDown. You know, that match is there. But so, what are we going to do? Like a one and done? And then <laughs> they're just, that seems even more crazy to me. I guess, look, and everyone knows that listens to my stuff, I like to be a po- as positive as possible. But it just blew my brain because, you know, we've had experiences this before, like Rusev Day, right? Where's Aiden English now? Now, don't get me wrong. I'm sure he's smashing it and whatever he's doing. But he had a pivotal role on a pretty, you know, one of the biggest wrestling shows, not the biggest wrestling show. And then he was let go sort of months later. So you're like, well, what was the, you know, even if he had just been in Rusev's corner, 
that would have been better. Although, again, you know, Rusev's gone as well. So, yeah. So even even with that, you know, there was a bit of, you know, fallout we had. At, um, True. True. Uh, <laughs> I think they had like two matches as well. But with the heavy machinery stuff, it just seems like WWE got bored because um, when you look at it, there's a lot of investment, you know, with Mandy Rose, the, the hacker got involved. Um, all of those for months and months, you know, money in the bank briefcase, the tension, and then it's just gone in what five minutes. And uh, throw it match, you know, Otis lost the uh, briefcase, Tucker's gone heel. Just seems like more happened in five minutes than it did in seven months. <laughs> well, you mentioned the money in the bank briefcase. I think what has happened is, you know, WWE didn't want to have otis suffer i suppose because they have him in line i do think they they like him and they want to do something with him and they put the briefcase on and they're like how do we get it off him without hurting his character um so to speak and whether or not they've achieved that or not i don't know it's like all things in wrestling we'll move away from it we've now given it to the miz who did try to tease it on raw which i did enjoy like i absolutely did enjoy i thought it was a lot of fun i thought drew mcintyre came across great i understand it's a big question but i think it's kind of pertinent right now I give you the power to book WWE. What do you do with that briefcase? Because surely you don't have the Miz win, but maybe you do. I don't know. You tell me. Uh, I think definitely whoever's got the briefcase has got to win. We've got to get back into the habit of it being almost a free ticket at a, um, a world title reign. You know, for a while, we're having, you know, the Baron Corbin stuff and people just kind of cashing in and losing. I think you've got to go back to basics and make sure that whoever's cashing in gets, gets a title. So I think the Miz should get it eventually, and then maybe you segue into a feud with John Morrison or something. But the title picture on Raw just now is just pretty weird. You know, Randy Orton and Drew McIntyre has been going on for months. <laughs> looks to still be going. Um, it's just going to be a vicious cycle, right? You beat me, I beat you, and so on. The Fiend is circling it. You've got Miz and Morrison with the briefcase, and you're like. I mean, on paper, it seems like, okay, this is a very busy title picture. But then you look at it, what match are you excited to see there? I don't want to see Randy Orton versus Drew again. I love both of them, but tired of it. Mm -hmm. I'd agree uh, with that. I'd agree with that. Randy Orton and Bray Wyatt does not work. No matter what, <laughs> no matter what everyone says, absolutely doesn't work. Um, <laughs> Drew McIntyre and The Fiend, hell no. Uh, so, so I don't know. Then what? The Miz cashes in, and then he faces the Fiend. It's just, it's just a very weird title picture. And the fact that you know it's ten years from when the Miz cashed in on Randy Orton, who was WWE champion, that's another problem in itself. And here we are with both guys in the same position again. Mm. No, I, I, yeah, that is true. I mean, you never want to, you never wanted to feel like you haven't taken many steps forward. Because yeah. that, again, you know, to, to the longtime fans like us, it's not just us. I've seen it all over the internet. I'm just, I'm kind of like you. I do like the multiple uh, sort of madness in the in, in, in any kind of title picture. They're doing it on impact at the moment as well. I do enjoy the options. Um, I do think they've muddied the water a little bit. It's just because they didn't have, you know, all the best money in the banks to me have had a very succinct plan. And you can kind yeah. of tell, like, I know the Edge one was last minute. I thought, oh, we can just do this. But ever since then, you can kind of tell... Well, you can tell the ones where it was planned. You can tell the ones where it's not planned. But because the concept's always been so good, even the ones that weren't planned, a la Daniel Bryan when he first got it, uh, they had a certain magic to them. And I think yeah. 
Like I see, I saw an article or, or, or a post or something the other day saying that, you know, Miz shouldn't have the, the money in the bank briefcase because, you know, he's he's crap and he's boring. And I'm like, that's just, I don't agree with that at all. Miz yeah, to me right. is, I don't, he's not one of my favorite wrestlers, but what he's managed to carve out for himself over the last 20 years, whatever the hell it's been, is absolutely incredible. Like he's almost, uh, especially because he's kind of spilled out of the wwe bubble but with their help if that makes sense yeah. it's incredible and no one ever predicted that so i don't mind him having the briefcase i think there is some worth in it but i think how he got it is an issue and like you say i don't know how you book yourself out of it without actually confusing the title picture even more and i also think that ties into bray white the fiend character who just yeah. You know, you just mentioned it, right? We should learn from our experiences. He doesn't work when put into the title picture because you kind of cut off his own legs because he should be doing all the hocus po. It's like The Undertaker back in the day. If you actually go through The Undertaker's career, he didn't have that many world title runs because he didn't need it. Yeah, exactly. It's just it's just a weird thing. I think, I think you've just got to freshen up the picture a little. I mean, Randy Orton's going to take on Roman Reigns at um, Survivor Series. I'd expect Roman to go over. Maybe you have the Miz cash in there. And then, I mean, obviously, to pop a rating or whatever, there's going to be a lot of fallout from that. Maybe that's that's what they go with. Because mm. in an easy way, I think that's probably the one character Roman Reigns is that you can see them jobbing out Orton for. But... Yeah, it's just yeah, it's just a very weird sort of uh, situation when you look at it, because yeah, it's just yeah, Orton's just got the title. You don't want him to just kind of hot potato it and lose it to someone straight away, which is why I thought McIntyre should have actually won the last time because he's got new opponents. You know, got AJ Styles, yeah, got I people agree, three yeah. face, and then you know all the other stuff. You know, the Fiend, Randy Orton, whoever can kind of work their way underneath and get a number one contender from there. So that's what I'd have done. Um, but I do think The Miz is the kind of perfect character to have that briefcase just because, yeah, I mean, let's look at Raw. You, there's very few people you kind of picture, you know, running out like like that, just trying to cash in immediately, you know, trying to take his top off, getting the referee out. <laughs> you know, that That's the classic stuff, you know. Think back to when we had Braun Strowman have it. It was just a very odd fit because, you know, or when John Cena had it and, he, you know, he gave CM Punk, was it, a, a week to prepare stuff bizarre things like that you know so with the Miz again you kind of go back to basics but I'm not really sure what you do with that raw title picture at the moment to be honest no I'm with you I'm with you and I think you've, you've hit the nail on the head with the Miz that's why I enjoy him having it to a certain extent I mean I don't think we should have taken off Otis but you don't then WWE's never going to book a character like Otis to run out and be sneaky right whereas the Miz will probably try and do this at every single turn you know, and I think that's that, that's just I, that's what I want for my money in the bank briefcase. And I totally understand why sometimes you have to go quiet with it because then it gets even. Oh my gosh, I forgot about the briefcase. But we've done that. Like I forgot that I was had it for like three months because yep. no, but that, that was too long. We kind of yeah, we kind of went uh, one step too far with it. But it is a kind of fascinating picture right now, and it all does begin begin with like I say, it's just a heel turn that is is so unfair. Like if you're going to. You know, if you actually want to do something with Tucker, which you should, why wouldn't you? I'm not saying it's going to work. Maybe he falls on his ass. Maybe he becomes the best wrestler ever. I don't know. But to sort of, you know, cut his legs off like that and not even give him, um, not even give him a shot, I thought was, uh, I thought was kind of crazy. And what absolutely baffles my mind is that you have all these inconsistencies on Raw, whereas SmackDown, at least in my opinion, 
is flipping fantastic. You know, if you had told me at the start of the year, Jey Uso and Roman Reigns were going to be able to concoct this thing where I'm completely emotionally invested, I would be like, there's just no way. How are you going to do that? But, you know, I thought everything they did on SmackDown last week um, was... And the coolest thing about it was that Jey Uso turned at the end and I didn't even need an explanation. And I may be wrong with what I took away from it, but I had an idea that he just kind of felt like his back was against the wall. There's nothing else he can do. He loves his family, you know, blah, blah, blah. And maybe there's a completely different reason, but he can tell me that next week. You know, I, they gave me all the pieces to make up my own mind. And I can't remember the last time WWE did that with the heel turn. You know, sometimes I enjoy them, but I need them on the microphone to explain why they did it. Whereas this one, it's kind of organic. I hate that word, but it's true. Yeah, no, I get you with that. Uh, I'm probably on the minority. I think I liked the turn, but I thought we could eat it out for another week. I think that's just fair. No, that's fair, yep. Just because I feel like too much kind of happened. Just I didn't, while watching the match, because I was expecting it to happen, you know, Roman did kind of foreshadow it and say, you know, by the end of the night, you'll understand. So I was watching kind of closely to see, right, what's going to be the trigger here that's going to make him, you know, see the, the darkness, so to speak. Um but I couldn't really find it. So I was wondering, like, it might have been better, you know, if it was maybe Jay wins with, you know, kind of hard fought victory. And then maybe next week is in the match where he has to, you know, use a low blow or something um, to kind of call back to what Roman did when he came to the, as the new character. And you say, OK, right. He's seen, you know, this is the only way to kind of do it. But again, that's a nitpick because, you know, like you said, it's one of the best stories WWE has told in ages. And it's just like um you can't you can't kind of fault it too much like you know like you said like there's still a legitimate you know reason we don't need him to come and say right it's because of you fans i'm turning all those <laughs> promos that we've seen in the past um so yeah so definitely is a great it's still good i think smackdown's just really changed because and that's really got me to see you know the old school stuff we've seen as wrestling fans which is you know the top star makes the show you know, yeah. a few months ago, we had Strowman and Bray Wyatt on top of the card at SmackDown, and the whole show was just a horror show. It was a mess. You know, that's the swamp fights and all sorts of things happening. SmackDown was unwatchable. Um, and then Roman comes back, new character, Paul Heyman, um, proper storyline with Jay, you know, a lot of hefts, uh, pathos, kind of, you know, a lot of care taken with it, you know, character decisions, everything kind of making sense. And all of a sudden, you know, it becomes, you know, top TV because that kind of sells you in. All they need is maybe just one other angle. And, you know, they've got Bailey and Sasha as well. And all of a sudden, you know, you've got at least three things you're looking forward to in a two hour show. Yeah. And that's how you do it. No, exactly, man. Like you say, it all starts with the guy on top. You yeah. know, which which is why I think you're right in saying that it would have been awesome to have kept Drew with the belt because then on Raw you've got your super duper babyface guy and on SmackDown you've got your super duper heel guy and then maybe you can probably build to that match in a year's time or you know even though we've seen it it would be different because they're being portrayed uh, portrayed differently so no I, I I totally agree and it's just sticking with you know it's just sticking with allowing things to breathe. Like, I, I, I kind of, I don't necessarily mean this as much as I do. Like The Sasha Bailey stuff was kind of weird in the sense that our first match was in Hell in a Cell. And you're like, wait, what? But because we'd stuck with it long enough and because I know where we've gone and I assume I know where we're going, I can kind of go, okay, so that's a little bit of a blip, but everything else has been so good. And 
I really, really, and this is again, this is why I go back to the Tucker thing. I, it's, it seems crazy to me that the people writing the show don't go, wait a minute, all this long-term storyline stuff we're doing is really clicking and it's doing good ratings. You know, why don't we try and apply this across the board? And then, and then it doesn't happen. And I, I, I it, it, it seems. Yeah. Although I will say that I think WWE is in. I actually quite enjoy the, the momentum they have, but there are still weird storylines that clearly come out of nowhere and then just die. And you're like, wait a minute, what? I mean, just look at Retribution. Like, well, I wanted to talk about them, so yeah. <laughs> I mean, fair play to uh, you know Mustafa Ali. I've been watching some of his promos on Twitter and everything, and he's trying. He's pretty much doing creatives work for them. He's so good. Together and um, everything. And I was talking. I was thinking about it the other day, and I was like, it's just been such a such a botch not to kind of really follow up on the fact that you know he was the hacker, and you know he was trying to do it for justice and tie into the fact he used to be a police officer. I thought you would have told a, told a really great story with that. But then, you know, you just brought in Retribution, hot-shotted it, and then, you know, he's with these guys who wear weird masks, have got funny names. Fair play again to him tying together that, you know, he gave them those names to kind of show how you, um, kind of show how a name can kind of hold you back in WWE and in the public so space. Yeah, so um, you know, because he did always tell that story of, you know, how we had to play a heel because he's foreign and all sorts of things like that. And it's it's really great, but we don't see that on TV. And at the end of the day, no matter how great your character is, you got to win. Yeah. No, no, honestly, man, I talk about that all the, like, it's, I, I, I'm going to repeat what I always say, but I'm going to do it anyway. Do you remember when Oscar got called up and everyone went, well, she's got to lose. She can't beat everyone. And I was like, why can't she beat everyone? If she beats everyone, I'm going to be like, well, that's a badass. She came up and she beat everybody. It's why Goldberg work. Like if you go and listen to any sort of professional wrestler from the late 90s who, um, who wasn't a friend of Goldberg, they all hate Goldberg because he's green. He doesn't know how to work. And I'm sure they were jealous of his success. But the reason it worked is because he just smashed people. Like, I can't think of anyone that's ever come into a promotion, smashed everyone, that haven't gone, well, that guy's pretty cool. You know, I think, you know, wins and losses don't matter, yes, when you remember what pro wrestling is. But when yeah. you remember how pro wrestling works, of course they do. And, yeah. I, and I think you're totally right. With, going on to your point as well about Mustafa Ali, you know, you said uh, it doesn't matter how good you are. If you don't win, it doesn't matter. If you don't put this stuff on TV, it doesn't matter. Like the promo that he cut on Twitter when he explained that he gave them stupid names and masks was so good at justifying it. All they had to do was air it on Raw or let him say those things on Raw. And some people would have rolled their eyes and gone, well, you've just retroactively done that. Okay, but it's better than not retroactively doing it. And yeah. he's so good at coming across. Well, as we've learned now, Mustafa Ali, his promo skill is genuine. He always comes across as genuine, no matter what he's saying. So if he's, he sounds like a dick, I'm like, you're a dick. If he sounds like some inspirational dude, I'm like, oh my gosh, you're an inspirational dude. So he has that. He's got that in his locker. And to not sort of allow him to almost, because that way it kind of doubles down on his position as a leader too. You know, yeah. he's like, look, he's actually, this is how he shaped the group. But it's kind of weird because they got destroyed by the Hurt Business, which I don't mind so much just because I think the Hurt Business are so flipping cool. However, yeah. at the same time, it would have been better if we could have had two cool factions as opposed to sacrifice one. But I'm intrigued to see what they do with Ricochet. We've kind of got to the point where I'm like, look, I like Mustafa Ali. I like everybody in the group. It's just a bit silly. And I really like Ricochet. So even if they're just in a story and they're on television, I've got to that point where I'm like, you know what? That's fine. <laughs> I'll just take it. It's just weird. Like, you know, poor Mia Yim. Um, so weird, isn't it? So weird. Like, like she doesn't exist. Look at that angle she had to do the other day. 
I, it took me five minutes to understand what was going on, and then they just came back from commercial. I was like, yeah, she faked it. I was like, what? So that's just how she tried to, you know, distract them. I was like, who books that? You know, it's 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 tough. Um, I mean, Mercedes Martinez has left the group as well, so I don't know if that's good news for her or not. But um, it's just, I don't know why they've just booked it like that. Because if you'd have told me a few months ago, right, you're putting Mustafa Ali, um, Dominic Dijakovic, Dio Madden, um, Shane Torn all together, and, you know, they're a faction, you'd be excited, you know. That's, you know, big guys. Ali is pretty good as well. And, yeah, you just expect big things, but the booking has just been so poor that, you know, they all don't even seem to have characters anymore. It's just, you know, they're just there. You know, Ali just tells them to attack, and they do the same, and, you know, they're tapping out. And, yeah, I think definitely they cross paths with the Hearth business way too early. Way too early. I think, you know, it should have allowed retribution, even if they were squashing jobbers, you know, just for a while, just to get them everyone to kind of say right these guys are you know they're legit mm. and then you know when they attack someone you know you're like oh, oh my god i've seen them killing people for a while um i know we've got the kill them counting on ups and downs but yeah. <laughs> <laughs> i'm but, so annoyed everybody was threatening to kill each other i introduced that and they stopped i was like you mother hubbards like you absolute assholes i was enjoying that but they'll start doing it again um, put your money on eddie kingston <laughs> <laughs> that guy's great but you are yeah you, you 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 hit the nail on the head you have to establish people it's like first impressions isn't it like if you when you first did the podcast if the yeah. first thing you said to me was miller you're a massive asshole i'd be like well i don't like you anyway, <laughs> but do you know what i mean no matter how many times after that you went oh miller you're great you're great like maybe he did call me a massive asshole first time we yeah. talked that's just how brains work and you know when retribution were kind of turning the lights on and off and then not doing anything else, you're just a bit like, well, I mean, I see what you're getting at, but yeah, do you know what I mean? It's just, it's just, yeah. I don't think, which is, this is the problem, right? We are now trying to retroactively make retribution cool when we already dropped the ball with them. And first impressions count for everything, which is why Mustafa Ali probably should have been introduced earlier. But again, it goes back to my Tucker argument. I don't think that was the plan. I yeah. just think they saw, oh, we can stick him in here. Because I really do think that Mustafa Ali has something about him. I don't know what it is. He's not, um, you know, he's not the... I can't even think of the word I'm looking for. Well, because he's like a he's like a dude, like he's like a Finn Balor, or he's a bit like a Jeff Hardy, or he's a bit like a, I don't know, I can't think of someone else, but in that kind of a mold, you know. Yeah. But he has something else about him to me as a wrestling fan. I don't know what it is. And you know, while I've always loved dudes like Jeff Hardy and Finn Balor a lot, they were never my guys, you know. Yeah. But with Mustafa Ali, I'm like, oh no, that you've got something that I'm intrigued to see more. And yet, I don't know, man. It's really, really strange. It's a really strange situation. Yeah. I'm not, I'm not holding my breath with, you know, Ricochet getting dragged into it. To be fair, for a second on Raw when they attacked Tucker, I thought, okay, wait a second. Um, Mustafa Ali was the hacker. He revealed the whole yeah. um, Rose plot. I was like, there's gonna be something to tie into that, because obviously Mustafa had said on Twitter that you know, um, pretty much saying, oh, things are gonna get better tonight. So I was saying, is this something where you know it becomes kind of the Dark Order almost, and they're recruiting Tucker in? But then it just turns into a feud with Ricochet. And I, I'm not even sure how that's going to end. Because <laughs> he's, just, he's just come off a feud with a faction of four people in the Hurt business. And he's going into another one with Retribution, who 
who sort of got squashed by the hurt business. So he, in a way, outside of kayfabe, he shouldn't be worried. But it's just, yeah, I just can't see where that goes. Like, you know, does Ricochet lose? Does he join them? Does he win? And then they are squashed even more. I don't really see, you know, what's happening. I mean, I'm just happy Ricochet is back on TV because I love him. But yeah, it's just sometimes I just wish we did more, you know? Like, even if Ricochet was just coming in and having random exhibition matches with other people. And I was thinking when we had the draft, for example, I was thinking, right, there's some matches that it's criminal we didn't get over the year, like Ricochet and Buddy Murphy. I don't think I need any story for that. Just something like that that's just kind of fun and raw and just throw it. But, yeah, it's just, I don't know. Some of these storylines, I just sometimes I just wish they just let wrestlers wrestle, <laughs> like everyone says online. But um, I get that man totally. Yeah, it's just it's just bizarre. I mean, um, what's it? Was it Cedric Alexander and Ricochet? We did get that singles match in a pay per view or anything. That's just gone. Mm. Yeah. <laughs> well, I think you know WWE does need to make new stars, right? They they do, which is why I'm really happy what they did with Drew McIntyre. Again, I think he's established now, which is great. Which is why even though he did lose to Randy Orton, and I'm a little bit bored of. Um, them going back and forth at least i was like all right sweet they're not second guessing him they're going to keep him at that level um and i know as much as i love roman reigns he was already an established star so you know and that's why i hope that murphy actually let me talk about that before we talk about AEW. um what do you think because the whole murphy and Aaliyah thing i admit at first i was like well it's a little bit creepy but then i'm like it's just you can't look at it that way like if ray mysterio is like yeah kiss my daughter you know for the sake of a story i'm like well what 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 right do i have to say anything and i think if you actually buy into the narrative as silly and as goofy and as stupid as it is i think they're all playing their role so well especially seth rollins who i think has become just yeah. such a douchebag recently that yeah. I'm like, man, I think you're you're even. This is the guy you should be. Before you were a bit high and mighty, and now you're high and mighty, but also a massive knob. So it just <laughs> it just works so much better. I honestly, man, I'm enjoying it. As cheesy and as soap opera as it is, right or wrong, I am well invested in this. I can't wait to see what they do, especially if it turns out that Murphy is actually still a bad guy. Oh man, I will heckle until the the cows come home because it would just be such oh. an asshole move. That that would be a really good twist. It's it's weird. Like there's a part of me that's over it and says, right, this has gone on for too long, and I'm trying to put my wrestling hat on. And what match are we getting out of this? Are we getting, you know, Murphy fighting Mysterio for the for his daughter's hand in marriage? What are we getting to like, you know? And we've seen that match before. But then um, I think I was listening to the What Culture podcast, and it's it's a little seed Seth Rollins planted there about a wedding, and you know WWE and weddings. Um, <laughs> yeah. we get Murphy getting married to Aaliyah and then someone turns here, maybe Dominic turns in Ray at that point or something and joins Seth and Buddy it's just it's it's weird I'm simultaneously kind of tired of the storyline but also fascinated and so where I didn't like the fact that you know they just kind of transplanted that whole thing to Smackdown by the way I thought it was going to be a chance to kind of break it up a little maybe Mysterio goes to Smackdown yeah Murphy. Split, split, but they just kind of transplanted the whole thing, and I was like, okay. I think the problem with that, and I do get it. Some I hate saying it, but sometimes business has to win outright, and they know they've got a long-term relationship with the USA Network, and they know they have to appease 
um, uh, Fox is there. And I, I don't like talking about it in those terms, but that's why they did it, right? They're like, okay, we'll move all our best storylines to the show where we need to appease the people that are paying all of this money. And I guess ultimately you do have to do that because it's a business. Not that I like it, but it's just true. But I do agree with you. I was, I did eye roll at first, but now I can't lie, man. I love the roller, roller coaster nature of it. I think it's absolutely hilarious. Yeah, it's, it's, <laughs> yeah, I can't wait to see how it goes on. Um, but yeah, I just love Rey Mysterio. You know, it's just just a great baby face. You know, I'm always rooting for him. Mm. Oh man, I tell you, like, because we've been doing retro ups and downs on what culture, he pops up all the time. And not only do you remember how long he's been going, but I'm, you just, you know, other than you know the odd thing, he doesn't have bad matches. I genuinely, I sat down the other day and I was like, is Rey Mysterio actually the greatest wrestler of all time? You know, in certain ways you know like in yeah. terms of in-ring quality and i was like he's in the conversation he really yeah. really is and these days like you know one of the criticisms that used to be thrown against him is he can't cut a promo now he's not the best promo ever but he does exactly what he has to do to make me give a shit about him so i'm like yeah. well, well then you can cut a good promo because i care so yeah. you know i yeah i tell you man i oh man he's he's really good like he is re probably better than actually a lot of us realize because we're so used to seeing him all the time and we yeah. take him for granted <laughs> Yeah, I think that's it. When he came back to that Royal Rumble after a while, I think that's when I realized, I was like, yeah, we just needed him to go away for a bit and miss him. And then when he came back, it's just, and he's been smashing it since he came back, you know? Oh, um, man, yeah. yeah. And I, he's, he's one of those guys where, while I would have loved seeing him in AEW, I'm actually quite happy he's in WWE because I yeah. think he just adds something. I don't know. There's just something about him. I just love him. I just, I just think he's, I just think he's awesome. Um, yeah. Or just one eye at the moment. So. Hey, Danny only has one eye. Don't I? Don't I know it? I've run that joke into the ground, and I'm never going to stop. Some people say to me, Miller, you shouldn't do it because you hurt your own eye. I'm like, mate, I'm going to do it more. I ain't going. <laughs> I'm not stopping that shit. Um, uh, right, AW. Because the reason I want to talk about them is because they got full gear this weekend, dude. Just yeah. before we get into that, man, catch me up. What's your opinion on all Elite wrestling right now? Because obviously, much like WWE and everybody else, they went through this whole change because of the pandemic. Actually, handled it very well. Um, but I know that it did sour. And a lot of my friends just like I can't watch it without the fans because that was a huge draw to me because they love the noise. Uh, obviously, yeah. you know you're a little bit different because you're these are like my casual wrestling fans. Um, <laughs> yeah, but what's your take over the last few months, man? Have you been into it? Yeah. have you kind of just moved on and and, uh, and are you excited for the pay-per-view as well yeah so i've been still been you know quite regular watching AEW. um again i think it's one of these things where you know you're a wrestling fan for life at this point um so yeah i mean there was the early era where you know it was just dead silence and matt hardy um Brody lee all of them debuted you know it took some time but you know it kind of kept getting a little better and better and then it got to the point, you know, Hangman Page, Kenny Omega stuff was heating up. Um, so many other storylines. And, you know, I started enjoying it again. And then, you know, FTR debuted. And it's just been really, really good, solid booking all true, you know. Mm. Um, we talked about the fact that, you know, you've just got a win and you've got your top guy to lead the show. And, you know, Moxley is exactly that. You know, I, I you can't kind of bet against him going into any match. And he's caught in all these superb promos from bars, from gyms, from his house, from the desert, anywhere. And you're just like, all right, this is just a great product. And, you know, they've got the pay-per-view coming on Saturday. And you look through the card and, you know, everything has a story. Everything has stakes. Everything has, you know, um, everything matters, so to speak. Um, there's nothing just kind of being thrown into the, you know, for the sake of, you know, just get something on the show kind of thing. Um, I do worry that the show might and the pay-per-view might end up sagging a little 
that's one thing I think I've struggled with AEW since fans went away. I think the pay-per-views are slightly long. Um, was it Double or Nothing that had the Stadium Stampede? Uh, yes, I think it was. I get very confused because there was a lot of pay-per-views in a very short yeah. amount of time. But yes, I think it was, yeah. <laughs> yeah, so that that was great. But, you know, some of the matches before that, I think they kind of sagged a little. Um, you know, and then the last pay-per-view of uh, the Matt Hardy match, which we shall not speak of. Um, <laughs> you know, so there's been little sort of things in the pay-per-view. That's why when, you know, they set up the women's title match, with just a five-minute back backstage interview of, oh, um, here's our champion, Hikaru Shida. Um, Nyla Rose says she wants a title shot. Oh, we're getting our full gear, and that's the build. I was like, I know we've seen that match a lot of times, but please, like, you know, put a bit more effort in. No, I do I do agree with that. And um, just for clarity's sake or balance's sake, because people always say this to me, and it's a fair point, yes, uh, WWE also did pretty much the same with Zelina Vega and Oscar. I totally understand that argument. It doesn't mean that either approach is right, though. That's the that's the issue. You know, like, uh, as we've been talking about, build is everything. You know, build is everything. It doesn't matter how good you can go in the ring when you have that extra. I mean, again, you know, I don't want to go back into it, but Roman Reigns, Jey Uso didn't do anything. <laughs> they did. They didn't. Do, they really didn't. But because the story was so good, I was like, I was like, sweet. So no, I do. I I, I am with you there. Um, what are you most looking forward to on? I was about to say Sunday. Not true at all. What are you most looking forward to on Saturday? Because on paper there could be some really good matches. Yeah. Um. I'd be lying if I didn't say it was MJF Chris Jericho. See, um. After La Dim. Well, how did they even pronounce that? The dinner segment. La dinner, dinner debonair, yeah. <laughs> what did you actually do? Yeah, tell me about that. What did you think about that? Because very, very polarizing. Nah, I loved it. It's it's it's, it's one of those things that, you know, I think of wrestling as theater and the fact that anything you can kind of bring in, like any, you can bring in almost any other fan base into it, right? The people who like athletic stuff, you know, there's a lot of athleticism in wrestling. There's the acting for theater fans. And then you have stuff like what happened there, which is just a straight up musical um, that kind of shows you, right, these guys, it kind of tells a story as well. It's like, right, these guys could be the best of friends, but you just get enough of a inkling that, right, no, they've got too much ego for this and it's not going to work. And it's just, it's just so perfect because at first, you know, they're trying to outdo each other about who can get the rarer steak. And then they're both disgusted by what they ordered at the end. <laughs> even so was I, man. That really was disgusting. <laughs> like, I, I'm a medium rare guy, but even still, that was, oh, man, too much. <laughs> too, yeah. too much. Absolutely ridiculous. But, you know, you just love them as characters because even before this kind of storyline, you could kind of see the parallels they've drawn between, you know, MJF and Jericho. You know, Jericho goes and gets Hager. MJF gets Wardlow. Um, the way they kind of cut their promos. Um, they both had issues with Cody. Um, just little, little parallels you could kind of draw. Um, and I think it came to a head, you know, that that hidden camera sort of opening to one of the Dynamites recently where, you know, you just kind of saw both of them arrive at the same time and they say the same thing to each other. And it's just a really nice story. Also because of what I guess it means for Wardlow because if MJF goes into the inner circle, is he saying Wardlow's not good enough? Because I think they're quietly setting him up to turn face. And that's, you know, just from that match, you're looking at so much storyline potential. You know, MJF mm. in a circle. I think there'll be more than one match with Jericho, first of all. But then let's say he eventually joins it. 
MJF um, Wardlow turns face, he's probably going to have matches against everyone in the inner circle. Those are all matches I want to see. Santana, Ortiz, Guevara, Hager, Jericho, MJF, Wardlow eventually. Um, it's just it's just really great, you know. It's just they're kind of taking their time. They've plotted it. It all makes sense. There's no result that's going to happen except it's a total schmoz um, that I'm not going to be happy with on Saturday. So it's just... Yeah, it's just it's just been really, really well plotted, and yeah, I'm just I'm really looking forward to that. Yeah, no, me too. And if it does end up with MJF getting in that group and then kicking out Chris Jericho, um, well, who may not be the biggest babyface as he was, if the internet is anything to be believed today, but we're not going to talk about that. I don't want to get into it. It's uh, it's it's too much of a hotbed, and nobody tunes in for that stuff. However, if it does lead to the big Chris Jericho face turn, I actually think that uh, I think it makes a lot of sense. And I think you know putting MJF in charge of a heel group after you know basically using guerrilla tactics, it is very similar to what WWE did with The Rock back in the day, but it worked out pretty well. So I have no problem with them doing it again. Which is why I mean, let's just start there. I mean, MJF has got to win, right? He's got to win at the, at the weekend because you don't want to just stop that storyline there. The question, of course, is how he wins because when we actually do get to the proper feud, which again would be when Chris Jericho is a good guy and MJF is the worst yeah. person ever, that's when you want to start getting clean finishes. But AEW is not a place that does, you know, screwy finishes. So how do you yeah. get out of it? I don't know, but that's the fun, right? That's the joy. Yeah, but that's the joy. Like, like I said, like I think there's anything, even if it is a schmoz, maybe I might roll my eyes a little, but I think I'd still be quite happy and just, you know, interested to see what happens because mm. it's well built. And I think as well, and everyone always gets on my case about this, but like the other thing to me is, you know, I don't judge AEW on WWE's own merits and vice versa. So if AEW does want to do a schmoz here, I'm like, well, you never do them. So yeah, you know, that that's fine. You can't you can't be held accountable because the other company basically does schmozzes every single match they do. You know, that's that's not fair. So, you know, it's um the the reason the we'll call it a dusty finish, whatever. But the reason those kind of finishes work is because you do them uh you, you don't do them regularly and so you know it, it, it ties into a story as and when but when you do them all the time you're like well this has now become par for the course but no, i agree i think mjf wins and and he takes over and um, we, we talked about the women's match as well i mean sheena versus nyla rose i actually think this is quite difficult to predict because i don't think you should take the belt of belt of sheena because she's only just won it i'm sorry because there's no build for the for the match but to sort of have Nyla Rose lose again when she's meant to be your monster heel in that division, well, that seems kind of weird to me too. I also, and I really like Nyla Rose. This is not a, a, any kind of knock against her. Um, but I don't get the association with Vicky Guerrero. It yeah, doesn't it, it doesn't work for me because it's not, like- It's not TV time for me. Well, that's, just, a, well, that's the other, and it hasn't been justified. But also like you wouldn't put somebody with Braun Strowman because I'd be like, Braun Strowman doesn't need protecting. Look at him. He'll kill you. And it's like, look at Nyla Rose. She'll kill you. Like, she doesn't need any help. That's the thing. You know, it's, it's different with someone like AJ Styles and his giant dude. Because, you know, <laughs> AJ Styles is like, even though he's a great wrestler, he's a piece of crap, right? So, like, of course he'd do that. Whereas Nyla Rose doesn't come across like that, even though she's a bad guy. So, I really don't know what we do here. I presume that they keep it on Sheeta, but pff, I, I find it really difficult to kind of try and work out. Yeah, I think you keep it on Sheeta and then you get the match with Britt Baker. I think... Yeah, that makes sense, yeah. I, I didn't know better. I just thought that's the match they wanted and maybe they've just kind of miscalculated with their wins and losses. And that's why they've kind of... And that's why there's no build to this because at least, you know, we've been seeing Britt Baker have, like, matches on TV and everything and um, Reba with her as well. And, you know, they've, they've been having some sort of push. Um, 
So I think they do want to get to that match eventually. How they kind of get out of this, I don't know. I think it might be time for kind of Nyla Rose to go away for a bit, maybe. Or maybe this is where, you know, Vicky Guerrero kind of costs her and then that's split. But that's such a WWE thing that they split before we're even invested. So I, I really don't know. <laughs> I True. But, you know, AEW are very good at looking at a situation and saying, actually, you know what? We shouldn't have done that. You know, that didn't work. Let's get out of it, which I do appreciate because... You know, not everything's going to hit, but I appreciate you trying. I mean, that's my big thing with WWE. Like, give it a go. Give it a go. So maybe they do that. I wouldn't be against it. And then I, I love the idea. It's so true. Sheena versus um, Britt Baker with Britt winning has to be the it has to be the build. Surely. Surely it has to be the build. You, you'd have to think. Um, what about Matt Hardy versus Sammy Guevara? Very happy that it's a pre-recorded elite deletion match. That, again, I love both of these guys. I think Matt Hardy is a flipping legend. I think Sammy Guevara has all the potential in the world, but it's cursed. It's just, it's cursed. <laughs> it's just cursed and I don't want to see anybody die. I really, really don't. It's nothing, it doesn't interest me. However, Matt Hardy basically, I mean, didn't invent them, but I would say certainly in the modern day, the innovator of what we deem to be the cinematic match in 2020. And he's yeah. never missed for me. He's never missed. Every time I talk about this, people go, oh, but what culture didn't like it? Yes, but we are individuals. We are, we have different <laughs> opinions. Yes, en masse at the time, what culture didn't like it? I did. I like goofy stuff. I think I've made that quite clear over the years. Um, but it's, again, this is kind of an interesting one too, because I think Sammy Guevara should win for obvious reasons, but it's basically a Matt Hardy match. So, you know, with, uh, you know, with Matt Hardy, especially after he cut that awesome baby face promo a few a few weeks ago you know do you want to kill his his momentum or because we may be going through this evolution bad choice of words with the inner circle group maybe it's actually better to have sammy lose to maybe maybe that creates some kind of frustration with jericho oh you're always losing you know i don't know there's there's ways and means yeah i think i think matt just has to win just so we just kind of are able to kind of draw a line under it mm. sammy wins you know true yep that's very true yeah kind of bury Matt a little and it's going to be a case of right you want your baby face to get his win again and I don't want this feud to continue I think he just got uh, Matt goes over hopefully a good entertaining little match and it goes over everyone kind of moves on yeah. <laughs> that's what I hope for no dude hell yeah and I do I do I do appreciate the fact they want to finish it off do you know what I mean? They want to draw a line under it, have a big... So I, I, I appreciate that. Um, we'll do that one last. Cody versus Darby Allen for the TNT title, I tell you. So two things in the world of news. Cody seems like he may be able to get his name back because WWE dropped their trademark for Cody Rhodes the other day. So hopefully Cody will get that. And he can be Cody Rhodes again, which is what I call him all the time. <laughs> That's the other thing I get. I get people tweet me going, Miller, his name's not Cody Rhodes. I'm like, shut up. Shut up. You know who I'm talking about. Don't be that guy. Um, but I love this because I totally think that Cody has trolled us all. I think he's on course or he's trolling me now, which I'm also fine with. But I feel like he's on course to do some mega heel turn. I think he is going to... Here's, here's my fantasy booking, right? Which I kind of believe and kind of don't believe at the same time. I think Cody's going to win. He's going to win by vicarious means, much like he did against Orange Cassidy and so on and so forth. And... He's going to be all like, oh, high and mighty, high and mighty. Eventually, he's going to go bad guy. And when he does, because I know that AEW loves to do this. And at one point, I thought it was too much. But now I actually decide that I love it because I'm that guy. I think we're going to bring in Sting and we're going to place him with Darby Allen. Hence why Darby Allen's hanging out in the rafters and doing all of this stuff. And that gives him the confidence to then go and finally beat Cody. And then we can all go home and go, sweet, we just made a new star. 
Now, that's not going to happen and Cody will continue to be the best baby face ever. But I, <laughs> I, I love that idea. And while there is this kind of vitriol towards him because like, oh, he just wins all the time, I like that he wins all the time because it means when he loses, it's going to be like flipping more. sweet. Yeah, it means more. I, I don't know. This is a tough one for me. You know, if it had been like, you know, Cody held the title all the way, you know, the Brody Lee stuff didn't happen. Um, I'd have been 100% in here for Darby Allen to win because I think... Um, there's a very remarkable story that's been told between both of them for over the past year or so now. Mm. Uh, from the first match of Fighter Fest, where you know it's a time limit draw, and it's the kind of draw where you know, right, you just need one more second for the ref to count three, and Cody would have won. So you're like, okay, Darby's you know done well to kind of hang in there, but he was gonna lose. And then you know there's the match in the TNT title tournament that you know Cody kind of wins just by experience, just kind of rolling over. Um, and I think at this moment, after, you know, Darby's gone over Ricky Starks and everything, I think this would have been the time to just kind of give him that ascension. Because I think he's, you know, obviously there's no fans anymore, but I think he's just gotten so over that it's going to be hard to kind of keep him hot without doing something. And I think if we're talking about this Cody heel turn, which I do kind of think is coming, I don't think it's a coincidence that, you know, he's just kind of, being a bit more smug, talking about putting on extra pounds, all these types of things. Um, I think that heel turn is coming. I mm. think a loss to Darby Allen would kind of be the trigger point. And then I think that would be just something kind of great. And then maybe we get that feud or something happens. But, you know, if we get to the point where Darby Allen is over as he is, is the one, you know, doing to kind of open challenges for the TNT title, I think that's how you create a new star. I think yeah. if you hold it a bit too long, um, you kind of run the risk that people kind of lose interest. I think people are very invested in that story for him to get elevated. I think this is the time to do it, personally. No, dude, I tell you, he's got he's got to have that big win at some point. If you want to do it at this show, why the hell not, right? You certainly can. Um, and... You know, so many people also say, oh, you can't, you know, you can't turn over the TNT title all the time. No, you can. That's the whole point of the belt. Like you have it so that you can defend it on television and it's the world championship you don't turn over all the time. That's the one that you protect. That's the one you, you know, you make sure you, you don't do it. I think, I think the, the essence of what the television title is has been lost in the modern day, which I get because we all grew up on WWE. But that's why uh, you can do it because you have this other belt that's meant to mean more. Hence why those title changes will still mean a lot. So, you know, if you want to give it to Darby Allen here, you can. If you then want to turn it over to Orange Cassidy in a month, you can. You just got to tell the right story and make sure that you know you know where you're going with it. So I'd be happy with either. Yeah, either outcome. But again, another, another interesting match. Um... What I don't think is as interesting in terms of the result, but I do think it's going to be absolutely kick-ass, is John Moxley versus Eddie Kingston and I quit match. There's no way Eddie Kingston is winning. I don't mean that in a bad way, but he doesn't need to. <laughs> but he doesn't need to, does he? Like, I don't need... Eddie Kingston doesn't need to be champion. He can no. lose and cut one promo on Dynamite. I'm like, oh, he's back. Like, he's yeah. just... So the, uh, this, to me, is a really good segue for you to get to what I'm going to presume is Kenny Omega and John Moxley that we'll talk about in a second. And, yeah. you know, Eddie Kingston can just do his thing. They're good buddies. You know it's going to be absolutely brutal but that should bring something different to the pay-per-view i think it's going to be really good so so yeah definitely i think it's just going to be you know kick ass and the fact that like i said the promos these guys have cut you know it just kind of has that legit feeling so i think yeah moxley wins but i think coming out of it um so i think eddie kingston should be a babyface soon 
Just yeah, the strength of the program. I think you can kind of believe him. You know, if you go back to the Cody stuff, obviously, yes, he played heel, but, you know, the kind of character that's presented there is that, right, this is a veteran on his last legs just trying to do the best he can. You know, his body's breaking down, but, you know, his spirit is still there. I think that's an awesome baby face. And I think you've got a ready-made feud with Pac, who's back. Um, tonight. Think, yeah, tonight. So I think you've got a ready-made feud there with the fact that, you know, Pac was supposed to form Death Triangle with the Lucha Brothers. Um, they've gone off and joined Eddie Kingston's family. I think, you know, you do that. And, I mean, who are better to turn babyface against than the bastard? Um, I think that's how you do it. And, again, it will be another sign of, you know, AEW where, you know, someone loses a big match, but there's a plan, there's something for them to go into. And, you know, it just kind of drops into the shuffle. So I think that's what I um, expect to happen, to be honest. But I think it will be a totally kick-ass match. Um the I quit stipulation is interesting. Um, but yeah, I expect Moxley to win. And like I said, I expect him to go against the cleaner Kenny Omega after. Well, let's talk about that as it's, as it's nicely presented itself to you, uh, to us, sorry. Um, the finals of the AEW World Championship eliminated tournament is, of course, Hangman Adam Page versus Kenny Omega. I'm still baffled that some people thought this was too obvious. I mean, that is, it's like watching a romantic comedy gun. I can't believe they got together. Sometimes <laughs> you just got to do the things that make sense. Uh, if they had done, if it was Wardlow versus Kenny Omega, as much as I think Wardlow is going to be a massive star, in November 2020, I'd have been so disappointed. I'd be like, yeah. man, that's not what I wanted to see. Like, yeah. that doesn't make any sense. This makes all the sense. They're going to have a great match. Kenny Omega is, I think, the best wrestler in the world in terms of in-ring. Every time I see him, I'm like, bloody hell. And Hangman Adam Page is probably one of the most improved in all of 2020 in terms of all aspects. And I really do think that not only are they going to have a kick-ass match, I think Omega's going to win. And I think he'll stamp it by going mega heel Kenny Omega. And it's just going to be flipping great. Like, I can't wait for this on all levels. Yeah, no, I think this is going to be absolutely amazing. Um, it's just, yeah, obviously there is, yeah, I, I'm probably one of those people who say, ah, it's a bit obvious. You know, immediately you look at the brackets. There's a part of me that was saying, right, if we had Kenny Omega and Hagman in a semi-final, for example, that kind of would have created a bit more, um, just a bit more drama, I imagine. But at the same time, I think, you know, this is the best match you could get from that crop of eight. And sometimes you just go with your best match. Mm. And I think when we, I just hope, you know, everything kind of clicks on Saturday. And I'm pretty sure they're going to have really good chemistry. Um, I'm looking for this to kind of, you know, complete um, a very, very interesting one year arc for Hangman Page, you know. Yeah. Think back to last year when he got hotshotted into that um, world title picture against Jericho. And everyone's like, oh, my God. You know, he's he's done, he's he's been pushed too soon, all sorts of things. But I think he's quietly just gone about, you know, proved himself. And yeah, he's one of their top stars at the moment, definitely. I think, you know, whatever happens here, if, you know, even if, you know, um, Hangman loses and Omega goes to the championship picture and everything, I think you've got this feud to come back to. You know, if Kenny Omega wins the title, if he doesn't, you know, that there's just... Just, I don't can't see this being a one and done. No. So yeah, I just can't. I just kind of just yeah. I just want to see the match to be honest. What I would love them to do, and how I mean, look, they do like long title runs, so there's every chance. I would love Hangman um, Omega to hold on to that beatboxly whenever you want to do it. Hold on to that belt for ages, then Hangman wins it from him. I think that's just the perfect story. It really, really, really is. So you know, some people don't 
you know, it, oh, it's too obvious. All right, fine. <laughs> it could be, it could be too obvious for me. I really, really don't care. So to play, uh, to play devil's advocate, well, nah, if if say, is there any chance say they book sort of a shocker and then Omega just squashes Hangman? Dude, I wouldn't mind it, man. Honestly, as long as long as you know where you're going long term, I don't mind it. It gets people talking. Um, yeah. You'll piss people off, which I always enjoy secretly. Don't tell anyone. <laughs> um, so, yeah, it's... Uh, yeah. Because I was looking at it from a character standpoint because I don't think Hangman wants to fight Kenny Omega because he wants that tag team to come back together. But if if there's uh, such a way where, you know, Kenny can kind of shut him down for good, it's just to, you know, V-trigger him, hit a one-winged angel, one, two, three, and go, yeah. And then Hangman goes, right, he doesn't want me anymore. And then that changes the dynamic totally. But again, you might undo some of the work you've done with Hangman. But again, that's just something that's come to my mind just now. Yeah, man, you can do it. You just got to make sure you have a plan. And uh, the last match, obviously, is the tag team match, the AEW title. Tag titles, FTR versus the Young Bucks. If the Young Bucks lose, they will never challenge for the World Tag Team Championships again. Somebody ruined this match for me that said, well, why don't FTR just get themselves counted out? And I was like, shut up. <laughs> like, it's true, but don't, don't, don't tell me that stuff because then they've literally just taken out a competitor forever. I think this has been a really, really weird build. Um, yeah, yeah I, I didn't mind the Young Bucks being bad guys because I thought it tied into all the Hangman Page stuff. But now they're going against FTR, who are the ultimate bad guys. I was like, well, that was weird timing. But, you know, hey, we got here. Um, I think the Young Bucks have to win because I don't think you can have Cody and the Bucks with this same stipulation yeah. hanging over their head. I think that just, I think it just um, it hamstrings the company too much. And you don't yeah. want to do that. You want to make sure your top stars can go after the top titles. And I get that FTR's only just won them, but, you know, they're bad guys. They're assholes. I don't have to worry about them. Like, who cares? You know, yeah. so it's, I think the problem they have, and it's not a problem, it goes to show how good they are, is they need to have one of the best tag team matches ever. Otherwise, people are going to be disappointed, which is absolutely unfair to put that on anybody but it's true right that's what they're going to have to do so i do think it's going to be great i do think the bucks will win i don't think we know everything that's going on with this story i think there is a, a third party or some kind of outside thing that is going to reveal itself but what that is i do not know it may even maybe even has something to do with hangman adam page that's me just throwing things out there but i'm mm. very very intrigued to see what they have planned here because it came very quickly I couldn't explain the story, really, if somebody asked me. But we'll see. We'll see, man. Like They're great professional wrestlers. I'm sure they can do something. Yeah, I, just, I haven't been a fan of the build at all. Like, it's it's just confused me more than anything. Because when we had all the stuff with the box, I said, okay, right. Maybe we're holding off this FTR match longer. But then it's just, yeah, it's just somehow I was more excited for this match when FTR was still the revival back in WWE. And that's a very uncharacteristic thing to say for an AW story and an AW build. It's just, yeah, it's just, I don't know what, um, I just feel like, yeah, definitely something's gone wrong. I did not like that stipulation being added at all. I thought there was absolutely no need. Just felt like, uh, right, we'll botch this, just put something on it. Um, a part of me wonders if, you know, they're going to tie into Cody. Um, if Cody comes out and says, right, why... Why are you guys doing this as well? I've needed something like that. Like, even if it was just a backstage segment of Cody asking them, like, you know, why are you doing this as well? It just kind of feels weird that, you know, the EVPs are just kind of taking that, um, just kind of taking that stipulation and just shoving it. Um, I, don't, I mean, I do expect it will be a great match. I am a bit worried it won't be. 
because I think um, FTR, I think FTR kind of um, dropped off a little bit um, personally. And when they first came in, I think that first month on the way to the titles, I think, you know, they were really, really hot. But now it's just a bit more like, okay. And I do think the Bucks have to win because I think FTR have faced all the tag teams as well. So you do have to kind of freshen that up. Mm. No, I, I agree with you with FTR. Again, it's kind of like we were talking about earlier. I know they're good, but there's just something there that I was like, I'm not, I've, I've said some ups and downs. There's just something there that isn't resonating with me. And I couldn't even tell you what it is. So, you know, more for me. That's like, I want to change this. What do you want to do? I don't know. Like, that doesn't, <laughs> that doesn't help anybody. But I do agree with you. There's just something, and I don't know what it is. Just something. That's it. Something. And maybe oh. it's the build or. You know, I, I didn't really like all the stuff they did in the ring with the cake and the party and the the, yeah. the 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 like the bingo thing. I just didn't like any of it. No, they didn't like it. That's not fair. I just watched it and I was like, okay. And yeah. I I don't know. It, I felt like we didn't put it yeah, in the that, right direction. That, that, that raffle didn't make sense to me at all. No, I didn't. I didn't get it. it rankings. Like, why would they just do a raffle? Yeah, and I don't mind them doing it, but just give me a reason. Give me a reason. E even if a commentator just say, oh, because they're the champs, they're ignoring the rankings. Okay, done. There it is. Yeah. Right? That's all yeah. I need. I just need the little tidbits. But hey, we'll see. But I think the Young Bucks win, though, right? Yeah, I think they do. Yeah, right. Cool. There we go. We're all agreed. Uh, right, before we do wrap <laughs> up, uh, let's answer some questions. Um, let me try and find some that um work this will do donald a baron which is definitely his real name um <laughs> recently we have seen the return of many gimmick matches to tv do you have a favorite gimmick match or would like to see one that is not normally shown no i actually think we have too many gimmick matches um i think like, when you have pay-per-views like hell in a cell and tlc i'm like we've just backed yourself into a corner and as i found out i didn't know how i was going to react when we did have another on a pole match I am done with them forever. I don't like on a pole matches. They're too, there's too much bad history um, associated with them. And they make me roll my eyes. I don't think there's one that's gone away that I'd want to come back because I think stipulations work better when you do them less, which is why the Royal Rumble is so great because it comes but once a year. Uh, what about you, dude? Anything you want to see? Um, I mean, the fact he says gimmick matches on TV, uh, again, yeah, I think it's the fact that you know, we shouldn't be seeing guitar on a pole on Raw. Uh, <laughs> just yeah, just sometimes you just want the old-fashioned singles matches. I mean, I do love my fair share of gimmick matches. I could do with a bit more ladder matches personally, but um, I don't know. I think the pay-per-views, like you said, have kind of just watered everything down. You know, we just we just shove things in hell in the cell because it's October. Um, same thing with TLC. Yeah, I think we need to kind of wind back on that personally. Mm, no, no, I agree. Then, then they mean more as well. That's the big thing. Yeah, exactly. uh, old man Dan, great question. Thought on the Netflix doc for Vincent Kennedy McMahon. Well, <laughs> I could not believe it when I heard it, especially because it's being made by the Last Dance guys. Am I going to watch the crap out of it? Probably multiple times. Absolutely. Now, I saw the criticism. People say, "Well, Vincent McMahon's involved, so it won't tell the true story." And I was like, "Yeah, but Michael jo Johnson was involved in the um, Michael Johnson. Michael Jordan <laughs> was involved in the uh, the Last Dance documentary. Like, you know, yeah. why do you think it happened? That's why you always have to take all documentaries with a pinch of salt. Make sure you go out there, see who's produced them, because they've got a everything's got a narrative they want to tell, but they right. will still go into the." they'll still go into his background which is absolutely fascinating if you know nothing about it i am so for this it's unreal i cannot wait yeah i'm very excited i loved the last dance and i think again this is going to be something where 
like the last dance, you don't have to be a basketball fan to enjoy it. Oh yeah, absolutely. Same way I expect if if you know I expect you know this should kind of touch on Vince McMahon as a businessman as you know just so many different things that you know it would definitely be fascinating and obviously extra fascinating if you're a wrestling fan where you can pick out things and go oh okay this makes a lot of sense and stuff. I don't think I mean at the end of the day you're sitting and watching Netflix. You're not. It's not going to be the most factually correct thing no matter what. Mm. Yeah, Uh, exactly. Yeah. More. You know, if it was factually correct and boring, no one would care. So you do just what I want it to be entertaining. Mm. So I think, yeah, that's, yeah, I just can't wait for it, to be honest. I mean, I, I'm so happy with announced it. Like, that's the kind of stuff I need in my life. <laughs> that's exactly the kind of stuff I need. Um, Omar says, what is your favorite wrestling promo ever? That's an impossible question to answer. <laughs> because like, one of my favorite ones ever, not my favorite, is the CM Punk, you know, pipe bomb. Because I sat there with like, what the, we're doing this? Like, you know, but it wasn't the best promo I've ever seen. But with the context in what it was delivered and where WWE was, it always stands out to me. But, you know, when The Rock and John Cena were doing their stuff, I loved it. You know, obviously the Dusty Rhodes, you know, the classic one, you can't get better than that when you watch it and the sheer emotion. Ric Flair's cut about, you know, a million. Stone Cold, you know, it is, it, the, 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 the promo all ties into the feud and where you are at the time. Yeah. I know that's a crap answer, but that's my answer. So, <laughs> yeah, I, think, I think, yeah, promos, you, you just get great promos every day. You know, just, I mean, you watch AEW, every, anything you watch, you just get a lot of great promos. I think if I pick one in recent memory, it would be the Kofi Kingston one to Daniel Bryan, just at the Go Home show, where. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Almost yeah. by accident, like, you know, the it's like time's running out and Kofi has to get everything he's saying. And, you know, immediately he says the last word, you get the, you know, little WWE sign copyright at the corner and he goes, right, you know what comes next, Daniel, because you've lived this. And, you know, the fans are on my side. I'm coming for the title. And it's just like, come on. Yeah, you know, it just kind of just kind of rallies everyone up. And I think just the kind of way everything kind of came together, you know, with the new day in the ring, the fact, the mirror um image the fact that he was going up against daniel bryan the way again that was delivered i think that was one that you know i really really liked because also it wasn't just based on again i think great promos apart from the fact that you know they're selling you a match they got kind of real emotion behind them because you can feel that right this is kofi really going for it fair enough yeah wwe is scripted or whatever but you can feel that realness behind it now he meant it right no he absolutely meant it he's again you know people People forget one of the reasons that feud worked so much is because Kofi Kingston smashed everything he did out the park. He was absolutely ridiculous, yeah. uh, which is why how it ended was so disappointing. But never mind, what are you going to do? Uh, <laughs> Finbar says, uh, now that The Fiend is being considered a babyface, which is the rumor, do you think this is worrying for a character like his in the future? Well, I heard that as well. And I was like, I don't really... I mean, because again, if we go by the rumor mill, they also think that Lana is a babyface. Now... I don't see either of them as baby faces. I mean, Lana is just someone that gets beaten up as far as I'm concerned. So I don't really love or hate her. And as for The Fiend and Alexa Bliss, they kind of operate on a plane that is so out of the realm of normality. It's kind of the same deal. I enjoy it because it's different and I enjoy it because it's kooky. I understand why people don't at the same time. But in terms of watching it from a an entertainment perspective, whatever you want to say, I wouldn't say that I have feelings when it comes to that. I just kind of think, oh, what are they going to do this week? You know, it, it's a fascinating... Yeah, character because you know some because again the argument to that is well the Undertaker was you know eventually he he turned face very quickly because he was so cool and I think it's there's an equivalent there to Daniel uh, to Daniel Bryan to Bray Wyatt but 
it's different. Like, I, I, I don't remember The Undertaker ever putting his hand on a woman's head as blood ran out her mouth. So, it's a, <laughs> you know, I, I kind of need to see where it's going to develop from here. But I do appreciate the creativity. Like, I really, really do. I'd much rather have that in my wrestling than not. Just, I don't know. I, I, again, I like to think of wrestling as very basic. You can't have that fiend mask and be a baby face. Yeah, no, true. He's a serial killer, basically. So. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I think tweener is the best you can get out of that character, which yeah. is how I think of it. Because you know, if it's fighting there, there are times I kind of root for him, yes. But yeah, I just can't think of him as a babyface, to be honest. No, I it's I don't know what he is. The whole the, it's Bray Wyatt is going to be a case study back in, in, in a few. <laughs> but you know what I mean? He is like this guy that we had that was able to kind of get himself out of any situation possible, and yet WWE kept putting him back in the same situation. I just don't get it. I don't get it. Um, and we will end with Shareship, who says, I have two. You're allowed to have two. They're kind of the same thing. <laughs> do you like the fact that Kayfabe is dead? Or do you like to see wrestlers be themselves on social media? Um, so the, the whole Kayfabe is dead thing, I think this ties into a lot of aspects of the modern day. It was dead for it was dead when Vince McMahon went in front of a commission and said, please don't tax us because we're not sports. We're fake. That's when it died. When the owner of the biggest company in the world <laughs> publicly told everybody it was fake. So the only difference is now is because social media has made the world so small is that we see the kayfabe breaks. They're everywhere, right? You can't get away from them. So it yeah. does change your view of the world. But everything has to evolve. And that's why I don't mind. You know, like if kayfabe hasn't died, you know, we wouldn't be able to have this conversation right now. We wouldn't be able to talk about the business from behind the scenes. And it's one of my favorite things to do. Obviously, I'm a massive wrestling nerd. And in terms of wrestlers being themselves on social media, I think everybody needs a break. It's much better when they are in character because, again, you can pretend. But they are still human beings. And I think you have to give them some time off should they wish. I mean, you could always just not follow them if you don't like it. So that's how I see it. But of course, if you could put that wall back up, it would be awesome. But there are some positives as well. Again, like what we're doing right now. Yeah, I think, you know, I don't know about Cafe being dead. I think it's dead to the people who knew it was a thing. There are a lot of people who still just, you know, watch it for what it is on TV and stuff. Yeah, you're right. Uh, but yeah, I think I think it's kind of a good thing because like you said, people like us have kind of, I fell out of wrestling for a bit. And, you know, I got back into it more because of the behind the scenes stuff and knowing like, right, this is what they're trying to do. If someone kind of botches, I'm like, okay, fair enough. But this is, you know, the storyline they're going for. This is, it just kind of, it felt like getting the behind the scenes of a movie almost. Um, and that kind of made me fall in love with it a little mm. different. Yeah, me too. Uh, but yeah, there are people who are very against it. Like I went to a convention last year where I met The Undertaker and obviously he came out. He didn't come out, um, come up dressed as the dead man. You know, there are people quite disappointed by that, you know, expecting him to come with the whole coat and everything. I was like, come on, man. <laughs> Give the guy a break. There's no way he's coming. <laughs> 20, 30 years. 30 years. Oh, I can't believe it. What an asshole. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, it was, it, things like that are good because, you know, you meet him and he kind of talks, talks to you about it. And, you know, he's able to kind of be himself a bit after 30 years. And, you know, he's probably excited, you know, meeting fans and stuff like that. But not, I mean, just imagine you're meeting him in character. He can't even say he's happy to see you. He's just like, oh, I'm <laughs> <laughs> just start talking about souls and everything again. <laughs> just, I but, think yeah. of all the people in wrestling, The Undertaker is the one guy that is now allowed to break kayfabe, like 100%. <laughs> he did a really good job. You know what I mean? Yeah. Oh, I saw a Halloween picture of his daughter dressed up. That was, that was great, wasn't it? That was yeah. great. 
I think they're, they're the kind of things that I want to see now. You could humanize The Undertaker now. It's okay. We had 30 years of it. I think now we can, you know, we can open that door. So, and I get it. Like, of course, it sucks when you see, you know, Becky Lynch and Charlotte Flair. But who cares? I just don't care enough. That's the thing. I'm just like, I can still enjoy what they're doing on TV. And I chose to follow them, right? So it's my fault. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Like yeah. You can shut it off if you want. Yeah, exactly. It's just a new world. And again, there's good, there's bad. Uh, you know, I wake up every day and I look up, oh, what's happened in the wrestling? Like you said, it, it probably cemented my love for wrestling long term. Because yeah. getting to, to see behind the curtain was just so fascinating. Again, the stories are often better than the ones we see in the ring. So yeah. maybe I wouldn't even be watching wrestling now if I didn't have that. You just don't know. You just don't yeah. know. And on that note, we will wrap everything up. Emmanuel, thank you very much for your time, man. That was a really good chat. Awesome, I enjoyed it myself. Hell yeah, dude. Hell yeah. And again, if you want to come on the podcast, you can. Patreon.com forward slash SimonMiller316. Otherwise, I've got a YouTube channel. Just search for Simon Miller. I'm on Twitter and Instagram at SimonMiller316. Emmanuel, you got anything you want to pimp out? I always forget to ask. Uh, I've got my Twitter. Um, E-M-M-A underscore V2. There so, you go. So now you know uh, you right. can go yell at Emmanuel if you didn't agree with any of his opinions. <laughs> no, many kidding. Don't do that. Be positive. Engage in, in positive debate. Uh, otherwise, enjoy the rest of the week. Enjoy Full Gear. We will be back next Wednesday to run that down. And who knows what else. Uh, there's Smackdown as well, which you can get into. I don't think anything else is going on, but I usually do forget. Otherwise, have a nice time. Have a nice day. And I will talk to you very soon.